Somebody cared. Somebody cared. Aren't you glad when the devil had you stripped and wounded and left for dead that Jesus came by your way? Listen, religion left you high and dry. People didn't care about you. The world left you for dead, but Jesus came to me. He, he, he looked beyond my fault. He saw my need. Amen. Well, what a God we have. He, he, he don't look at your outside. He, he, don't, he don't look at your, 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 your failures. And he don't, he don't look at your, your weaknesses. And he, he, he don't look at all those problems you got. He look at your potential. He, listen, he sees the old drunk and says, that boy could be a missionary. He sees that one high on meth and says, boy, that one right there could be leading a Sunday school class. I need a witness. Yeah, that's the way he operates. Amen. Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse number 25. And I'm going to try to be brief this morning. I, I, I want to be very, very practical. Uh, how many of y'all know talk is cheap? Amen. Talk is cheap. It really is. Actions speak louder than words. You know, you ever heard that phrase, what you're doing is speaking louder than what you're saying. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a talking church. I want to be a doing church. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about uh, loving somebody. I just want to go ahead and love on them. Amen. And be what we're supposed to be. Amen. Church say amen. amen. Scott, you in the house anywhere? Scott Salibi, is he here? Have you seen him, brother, brother, other Scott? All right, right there in the middle. Aaron Hampton, Aaron and Scott, them two guys right there are some of the best friends I've got. They were in school with me, especially the, the, the homely looking on the left. Amen, brother Aaron. Uh, I'm just kidding. We went, I was pastoring in, in, in a little old country church. I say pastoring, they let me come preach every service. I was in uh, Bible college my senior year uh, uh, out in, in the sticks. I'm talking about in the middle of nowhere, a little congregational Methodist church who loved me and I loved them and I had a place to preach and me and Aaron would go every Monday, wasn't it? Wasn't it Monday? Every Monday and go knocking on doors and inviting them and he'd take off work just to go with me. And I tell you what, I appreciate God putting you with good friends when you're coming up that will be with you till Jesus comes. Y'all give them a hand for being here. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to let Brother Scott speak here in just a minute. He's going to tell you what he's doing and the, and the mission God has called him to. And we're going to be a blessing to him. Amen. Luke 10, verse number 25. If you're there, say amen. amen. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind. And... Let me say this, you're going to have, you're going to have a hard time not loving your neighbor if you love the Lord, your God with all of your heart, because that's just who he is. God is love. That's just who he is. And you're going to run into that in, in, in first John. That's just who everybody says, I don't know why God loves me. It ain't about you. It's just because that's who he is. God is love. And if we love him, we're going to love our neighbor. But this old boy, he didn't have it. He was, he, was, he, was, he was trying to catch the Lord, and the Lord said, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? See, if he really loved the Lord, it wouldn't matter. But see, he had issues, and Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. Say amen right there. He came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn. And what did he do? He took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, and said Jesus unto him. And this is what we all need to do. Say it with me. Say it again. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for being good to me. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here. Lord, thank you for those that risked the rain and came out to your house. And, Lord, I pray that you'll bless those that didn't. Bless them, meet their needs, whatever it is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We have been, we have been talking and, and discussing these points uh, for the last three weeks about caring. About caring. One of, the, one of the most tragic verses, in my opinion, in the Bible, Psalms 142.4, Uh, The psalmist said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. In other words, what I turned to, that refuge, that hiding place, what I turned to. Do you realize that the devil is offering all kind of false refuges? He said, I turned to my refuge and it failed me. Then it says this, no man cared for my soul. My refuge failed me. The place that I turn to to get help, the place that I turn to to get relief, the, the place that I turn to, to to find peace and hope and, and what I needed in my difficult storm, it failed me and no man cared for my soul. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what the devil offers and, and what we try to offer that, that should be the real deal when many times it really isn't. Charles Wendall wrote this, and I wrote it down, and it it really fits what we're trying to do and and talking about. He he made this observation. The neighborhood bar is probably, uh, possibly the best counterfeit that there is to the fellowship Christ wants us to have in the church. Now, before you get your feathers ruffled, just hear me out. Hear me out. It's an imitation dispensing liquor instead of grace. Escape rather than reality. But it is a permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It is democratic. You can tell people secrets and they usually don't tell others or even want to. Now I put this in bold, bold highlighted words. Watch this. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. And so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. Perhaps there's no better example of this than the television sitcom Cheers. The theme song says, sometimes you want to go where everybody... Uh Uh-huh, you watched it, I see. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody... Isn't it sad that that was written about a bar and not the house of God? There's so much truth in that, that statement. There's so much truth in that little jingle. Everybody wants to go where they're known. 
Everybody wants to go where they're loved. Everybody wants to go where they feel the touch of God in the place that they... I'm feeling God right there. We need to get this, people. Listen, there are so many churches that are offering false advertising. We have the answer. The friendliest church in town. I'm telling you, if that's the case, we need to be friends. People are not looking for a friendly place. They're looking for friends. Walmart is a friendly place. They'll put a sticker on your hand and smile at you when you come and smile at you when you leave and say come back again. That's the majority of churches today. But I'm telling you, there's no hope in Walmart. There's no peace in Walmart. We need to introduce them to the greatest friend you'll ever have, Jesus Christ, and be the friend that God wants us to be to them. Everybody needs that. We can talk about it. We can brag about it. We can, we can say, oh, that, but talk is cheap. Cheap. Don't tell me. Show me. We need to all, is it Missouri? Is that the show me state? We need to all adopt Missouri as our state and become a show me people. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to show you. We're not, we're not just going to advertise it. We're going to live it. And I, I, I honestly, honestly, I, I, I'm wanting to do everything I can to promote the care ministry. Promote this ministry that's one of, the, one of the most important ministries in the whole church because it's a place where miracles take place. It's a place where people get hope again. It's a place where people can find healing for the brokenness in their life because God hooks up hurting people with helping people and we all get to be happy people. I need a witness. And I want to do that. But you know what? God began to really speak to my heart. No matter whether you're in the care ministry or not, you need to be practicing this. We need to take the love of God, not just in this, this, this church, this building, in this, what, this service that we have here. You need to be taking it to the lost world. You need to be taking it to the workplace. You need to be taking this compassion and this care and the, and, and, and the desire to meet the needs of others everywhere you go. Why? We're Christians. We're Christ on this earth. The only Christ this world's going to see is you. The only Christ, get that, the only Christ this world's going to see is you. And when Jesus went to places, he found a need and met it. When they were hungry, he fed them. When they were, when they were scared in the storm, he calmed the storm. When, when they had a funeral pass by his way, he just raised the dead. Just whatever need they had, he just went ahead and met it. Well, I can't do all of that. Why not? He said, these things you see me do, ye shall do greater. He said, I'm going to prepare you a place and I'm going to send you a power. And boy, you're going to do greater things than this. Here's the problem. We don't really believe that. Here's a problem. We get so caught up in our own problems and our own issues and our own agendas and our own schedules that we just, how can I help somebody with their problem? I can't even handle my problems. Is that not the truth? The faster y'all get with me, the faster y'all going to get out of here. Is that not the truth? The priest, he had to go. I ain't got time. I'm going to miss my meeting. The Levite says, I'm going to, I'm not going to have my report ready for the priest. I better go. I don't have, you know, I got, I don't know if I, hmm. But the Samaritan who had nothing to gain, who matter of fact, if the one in the ditch, if the truth be known, the one in the ditch saw the Samaritan in the ditch, 
he'd have walked right on by. Here's what some of us did, just a thought that God just put right now, this moment in my head. Some of us only want to minister to those we think deserve it. Hmm. I don't want to talk to him. I know what he's done. He deserves to be in the ditch. But you know what? We all deserve to be in the ditch. Ain't that the truth? The first message was the cost of caring. If you're going to care about people, it's going to cost you. Scott Aaron, if y'all decide to care about people and don't care what anybody else says, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you criticism. Why, why, eat, why do you eat with and receive as sinners? Jesus had criticism out of this world. It's going to cost you criticism. It's, it's going to cost you all kinds of things. It's going to cost to care about people. He had to take the, the oil and the wine. He had to take what he had. But God gave it to him. Listen to this. This is what you got to get in your mind. The reason that he had that oil and wine in his bag, because God made sure he had it, because he was going to have to meet a need. We try to act like reservoirs. We try to save everything we get and, and, and hoard everything we get. But the Bible says that God, we are a channel. We're not a reservoir. We're a channel. It's That's the way it is. Well, how am I ever going to have anything? Because this is how it is. God gives to you and you give out. See these hands? God's hands give to me. I give out. Whose hands are bigger? And the more you give, the more he's going to give. And his hands are bigger than yours. And we got to realize what we have. God has given us the ability to meet the needs of others. Well, what, what if I don't have anything then? God's going to give you some more. Does this make sense? It's going to cost us to care. We're going to have to have compassion. We're going to have to see the needs of others and let it touch our heart. But then this is, this is the course in care. And like I said, it's going to be brief. Because this is really just practical application. How are we going to, how are we going to be doers of the word and not hearers only. How are we going to be doers of what we're talking about and not just shout about it? How can we apply this truth and, and live out a caring lifestyle? How can we do this? First thing it's going to take, number one, the course of caring. Number one, it's going to take surrendered people. Surrendered people. Write that down. Number one, it's going to take surrendered people. The priest comes by. The priest comes by. He sees the need. But he's not surrendered enough to meet it. He's not let go of, of his life. Jesus said, unless a man forsake all that he hath, take up his cross and follow me. Does it not say, he that saveth his life shall, but he that loses life for my sake shall. Well, see, he's trying to save his life. He's saving his schedule. He's saving his agenda. I don't have time for this. He's not surrendered. Levite, same way. But the Samaritan, he's coming, and he sees, he sees the problem, he sees the need, he sees the situation, and he throws up the white flag and says, I know I got a plan, I know I got a schedule, 
I know I have all this stuff in my life, but listen, I've got to set that aside because there's something else more important than my plans. There's something else more important than my plans. Say that with me. There's Do you really feel that way? Because, see, you're not going to step one foot out of your path till you feel like something else is more important than your plans. Jesus, the Bible says that the Lord, so let this mind be in you. Mind, way of thinking. Way of acting. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He had to become obedient unto death. Why? The sting of death is sin, and he had no sin. He had to say, okay, death, here it is. That's why he said he gave up the ghost. He had to become obedient to death, even the death of the cross. But he said, it's not about me. When it really was. He said, it's not about me, but it really was. And he laid down everything for you. Everybody, brother, uh, uh, can you turn to... 1 John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. But find 1 John 3.16. You got it right there? Let me speak it in the mic so they can hear me. All right. What's what's John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of y'all remember that? How many of y'all seen the man with the rainbow wig running all over the stadium holding up John 3, 6? People can be so ignorant. Can't they say amen? Watch what 1 John 3, 16 says. 1 John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. In other words, we can see it. Perceive is the way you see something. We tell the world all the time we love them. We tell them, we tell them all the time that we care. This is what the Bible says. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Now watch this. And we ought, O-U-G-H-T, that's a word of obligation. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now we can quote the fire out of John 3.16. But we don't even know 1 John 3.16. What's it going to take to really care? It's going to take you realizing that something else is more important than your comfort zone and your own agenda. In order to be surrendered, we're going to have to be, A, write this down, selfless people. Selfless people. Not only that, B, write this down, submitted people. We've got to lose ourself. We've got to lose our plans. We've got to lose our desires. And then submit to the direction that God wants us to go. Those two run hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Because you're not going to submit till you become selfless. Till you empty your... I so want to preach about Joseph again. 
because he was 17 years old and full of himself. He was the golden child. He was the favored one. He was the favorite child. And the Bible says his brothers hated him because of his dream and his words. And he had a destiny. He had a purpose. He had a direction. But, but he was so full of himself. So God sent him to the pit so he could empty him. Strip him of his significance. Because sometimes God can't fill us till he empties us. You see, we're not going to care about nobody as long as we're full of ourselves. You know, Miss O'Neill, you know a situation we commented about on the, on the computer? You know why that is? Adults are full of themselves. It's not, a, it's not about them. It is because, listen, we need to care about people. But we will never care till we empty ourselves and say, God, let me be a blessing to somebody else. It's not about me. It's about who I can bless through your name. And, and here, here is, the, here is the, the greatest mystery of it. When you're so busy trying to meet your own needs, you're never going to get a met. But when you step back and say, God, let me, let me be a blessing to others, and you start focusing on others, somehow or another, all them other needs you were trying to do, God fixes them somewhere or another. See, God's economy is all different than ours. In order to receive, you got to... In order to go up, you got to go... Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And I'm I'm just being honest. This is a practical message. We're not going to care. We're not going to sign up on that table. We're not going to do anything till we empty ourselves of us. We love to come because it's almost become a form of spiritual entertainment. We come and, 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 and leech off of the services and never contribute to them. We've got to change that. The world is going to hell in a handbasket all around us. You say, am I not right with God if I don't sign up for the care mission? No, that's not what I'm saying. I really want you to. But what I'm saying is this. We've got to take this out there. It's not about just caring in here. We've got to care at the shop. We got to care at the school. We, excuse me, we got to care at the grocery store. <laughs> you remember Jesus, who we are? A little, a little young lady, uh, one of the members that used to be here, had a little daughter, looked like Shirley Temple. Little old bitty thing, curliest hair you ever seen. Your, and, 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 and this is what she said. She's sitting in the pew and she's just mesmerized. There's something about that platform up there that just mesmerizes children. And after the service was over, this is what she said. She says, Daddy, can I go up there and see God? Talking about me. And I, at first, I thought that was so funny. And, 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 and then God just said, hmm. The only God she sees is right there. Man, I started trembling. But you know what? The only God some of your friends or family are going to see is you. Right, 
Are you so busy you can't care about nobody else? Well, I'm telling you, talk is cheap. Number two. Number two, we need to be surrendered people. Number two, we see a, we're talking about the course. What course are we going to take to care for people? We got to not only be surrendered people, we got to have a, how many of y'all know if you fail to plan, you plan to, amen? If you shoot at nothing, what are you going to hit? Nothing. We need to have a plan. We need to have a plan. How are we going to care about people? How are we going to move our words into action? How are we going to, how are we going to be doers of the word and not hearers only? Write these, write these three things down real quickly and we'll hurry. May, this may be all we do. This may be all we do right here. The specific plan. Uh, you are a miracle waiting to happen. Say that with me. All right, let's change that. I am a miracle waiting to happen. Say it again. Do you really believe that? Say it again. I am a miracle waiting to happen. Say it. Listen to this. Listen to this. The Lord is in each believer to meet the needs of others by the power of the Spirit and the love of God. The needs of the visitors, the unchurched, and the unsaved are to be met through the ministry of the believer in the church. How many of y'all believe that? In other words, God is in every single one of you and empowering every single one of you to meet the needs of those around you. Well, where does this miracle stuff come in? Here's what happens. Here's what happens. Three things. In order for a miracle to take place, in order for a miracle to take place, in order for this, this thing to happen that God planning on happening, there has to become, there has to be an awareness. Write that down. An awareness. Gee, uh, Peter and John, Peter and John are walking, walking into the temple in our prayer. And the Bible says that they were going up into the temple doing their thing. And, 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 and they wasn't really necessarily uh, 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 going out to try to find the miracle. It, it almost came to them, and it was, it was something that happened in their, in their daily life. They were walking, and this man, this man was crippled by the gate there, and, and, and he was looking at him, hoping, hoping to get some, some money. And, 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 and we, know that, we know that Peter was a Baptist because he said, Silver and gold have I none. Amen. <laughs> but he said, Such as I have, give I thee. Rise up and walk. What did he do? He became aware of a need. He became aware of a hurt. He became aware of the situation. Let's put this back about the Samaritan. The Bible says when he saw him, he came to where he was. He came to where he was. He took, he took initiative. Say that with me. He took initiative. Listen, the first time I ever, and some of y'all, y'all have heard this story 50 times, but it fits way too good here not to use it again. So if you have heard it, just act like you ain't never heard it. My first experience with the word initiative was when I was a little kid at school and we got a progress report. Did anybody get progress reports growing up? Did anybody get a whooping if they was bad? Now, in our progress report, they had the academic side and they had the behavior side. Did they still, do they still do that? 
Well, let me tell you something. It was bad if you got it bad in the academic side. But God help you if you got it bad in the behavior side. Because, see, I was, I was raised before Ridland and, and, and Time Out and all that stuff. I was raised in the days of whoopings. No, I never had a paddling. I had a whooping. And I'm telling you, I'll be honest with you, uh, around report card day and progress report day, that was, there was weeping and wailing and anguish and gnashing of teeth during that time because, you know, if it's bad, it's going to be bad when you get home. And I was a little old bitty kid, and, and, they, and I was looking at that thing, and, and the grades was okay, but I looked down in that behavioral column, and they checked a box that said, shows initiative. And I thought it said, shows inattentiveness. In other words, I was inattentive. I wasn't paying attention. I looked. I said, what's wrong with this woman? She's trying to get me killed? All the way home, I'm thinking, oh, God, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I'm trying to come up with an excuse all the way home. I walk in the door, and Mom said, all right, let me see him. And everybody's giving to him, and I'm the last one. And I'm giving to him. I'm telling you, Mama, right now, this woman's crazy. She don't know what she's doing. She ain't never liked me to begin. I don't know what her problem is. She don't like me. I don't know why she marked that box. She said, what box? She said, I wasn't paying attention. She looked. She said, you dummy, this says initiative. I said, she's a good woman. <laughs> you know what that means? I, she said, look, Malcolm, this means that you do stuff without having to be asked first. You take the initiative. You see something that needs to be done, you go ahead and do it. And you know what? We have people that's coming in here broken, and they're, they're listen, they're needing help, and we need Christians that are willing to take the initiative. I, I'm shy, me too, but sometimes we just got to break out of that and do something for the kingdom of God and show people we're not going to talk about Karen. We're going to live it and be it and do what God has called us to do. He took the initiative and went to where he was. You'll never be able to care about somebody till you know what you're caring for. I spoke for five straight hours yesterday. Preached thir- went Thursday night and then and spent the time with the, with the leaders uh, Friday and then had a, a small group Friday night and they was blown away. They're in, I mean, they're in like fleeing. They want to start them now. Spoke to all the leaders and, and here we go wide open. And you know what, Scott, while I was in the middle of that teaching, it dawned on me. It dawned on me something. Because I was talking about caring and, and meeting the needs of others and so forth and so on. And I thought, you know what, we're not going to care. Unless we care. Isn't that just a deep thought? But think about it. He's not going to administer the medicine. He's not going to stop his donkey. He's not going to get down unless he cared. How many times, how many times have we said, how are you doing? And we don't even really care. And we're hoping they don't tell us. It's just a cliche that we have. And how many times have they come to us with a really, really serious burden or need and say, please pray for me, I'll be praying for you. And we never remember it again. But you have that one that's, that's close to you, that means the world to you, that's got a, got a tragedy. Son, you're there, you're praying, you're... You know why? Because you really care. 
I know this is not a really great, huge, deep thought for nobody else, but I'm telling you, at that moment, God said, you're not going to make an effort to care unless you care. Now, let me ask us all a question, and this is really, really going to determine a lot of things. Do we really care? I mean, really, do, do we? Do, do we really care about a, a marriage that's disintegrating? Do we care about a child that's rebelling and breaking the hearts of their parents? Do we care about the person who's just about scared to death because the doctor visit went bad? Do we care? Because we're not going to take the initiative and become aware unless we really care. Let's focus and find out. B. The specific plan is this. There's got to be an awareness. Then B, there's got to be an assessment. There's got to be an assessment. How do I become aware? How do I become aware? Let's practice this. Man, good morning. My name is Malcolm Carter. What's your name? Good morning. I'm Scott Campbell. Scott Campbell. Man, how long have you been coming to Temple? Well, I've been here about eight years. Not really. You've never been here before. <laughs> this is my first time. This is your first time? Sure is. You have never been here before? Never before. My goodness. You've heard from Coleman? Well, no, not really. Where, where, where are you from? I'm from Scottsboro. Scottsboro. You're Scott from Scottsboro. I, I really am Scott from Scottsboro. Okay. Well, man, that's wonderful. How long have you been in town? Been here about three months. Three months. You know what? If he's been here three months, he ain't found no friends yet. If you don't have friends in a new town, you're a lonely person. You may work around a thousand people every day, but if you don't have a real friend, you're lonely. What did I do? I made an effort. I made an effort to become aware of his need. And I just made an assessment. I kept asking questions. I just kept asking questions and, and making conversation. So, man, is there anything I can pray with you about? Any need or anything? Sure is. What's up? You know, I moved here because I thought I had a better job opportunity. And I came and it's not what I thought it was. And I just really don't think that's where God needs me to be. And I need to be a part of a, a, a thriving church, somewhere where I can feel God because I really need his direction right now. Man, you believe God answers prayer? I sure do. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now. Lord, Scott's looking, and he just needs something in his life. Lord, I know uh, what he came for it didn't really pan out, but I know you've got a plan. And, Lord, I pray that you just touch him and help him and, and meet his need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I know what you're thinking. Well, that didn't really mean a lot. It might not have to you, but it did to him. Y'all remember? Y'all remember last week when I said, and we was talking about compassion, that we come to church every week and sometimes we don't even realize the burdens that people have sitting right beside us? You remember I said that? My cousin that's been coming from Tennessee, been coming from Tennessee, they sit over here on this far side. They had a couple with them. They had a, a visiting couple that was visiting from Florida. You know, they looked normal. They had smiles on their faces. They was really enjoying the service. And we went to get something to eat right after to, to fellowship a little bit. And y'all ain't going to believe what I found out. They just buried their one-day-old baby Friday 
one day old. They were sitting in the service. They were right over here. And we never realize. You know, when we prayed at the, we was at the restaurant and man, tears began to drip off my face. And I prayed with them. And you know, there was a whole different expression of their face. Just because somebody took time to care. Now I'm telling you, God is putting people together. We call it divine appointments. Say that with me. God's got a divine appointment for you. I remember one day in the care room, I, I, I went to an elderly lady, up, uh, listen, way up in age, and, and, and everything, I said, I said, ma'am, is there anything I can pray with you about? And tears began to drip off her face. And she said, my daughter was just murdered. She had two little toddlers standing beside her. And she said, these were her children. And now I've got to take care of them. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. And boy, we began to pray and see what we could do to help her. So that, this, is that, listen, it's all around you. And you know what? You might be sitting beside somebody that you don't even realize it, but they're the greatest friend you've ever had. You just ain't met them yet. And God's just waiting for you as the Christian to take the initiative and take that step and become aware of their need. It takes awareness through focus. It takes assessment through finding. You have not because you... I don't know what needs to meet. That's because you've never asked. Amen? Then see, and we'll be done. It takes awareness. It takes assessment. It takes attention. The Bible says, faith without works is... He, he said, don't tell me you have faith. Show me you have faith. And see, we, we, we're wearing these t-shirts today to advertise and to promote and to show people about the care ministry. And, 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 and what's that say? We care. Do we? Do we? Let's put our faith to work. Let's, let's not be hearers of the word, but let's be doers of the word. What would happen... What would happen if we just all decided, bless God, I'm going to be a miracle? How does that really happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Because you get an opportunity to pray for somebody, and God answers that prayer request, and they think you're the greatest thing since, since a cheese sandwich. Grilled cheese sandwich. Let me be specific. You're not going to believe it. Let me tell you what God done. Let me tell you what God done. We got the job. Is Johnny in here anywhere? He's, I think he's down there helping in the pastor breakfast. I can't tell you how many times people sent in answers to the prayers that were made in that care room. 
And if you don't think that's a miracle, and God used you to do it. You know why? He could have done it by himself, but then you wouldn't have had the fun. See, you got to understand, God don't really need us. He just lets us in on the deal. He didn't really need them disciples, but he took that little lad's lunch and he gave some to him and some to him. And some. All right, boys. All 12 of them got involved in feeding all them thousands of people, but he really didn't need them. He just wanted them to enjoy it too. And Jesus wants you involved. Because when you, I'm just telling you, when you pray for somebody's need and God meets it, son, that just cranks your tractor. I don't got a tractor. You'll buy one. It will mean that much. Church, say amen. How many of y'all want to care about somebody? Say amen. Let's pray and ask God to help us do that. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we want to be caring people.